You are listening to Afraid Not Podcast with Jill McCormick and Robin Wall. We believe that our stories matter and make us who we are. Every other week, we invite guests to join us and share their stories. Even though our stories have nots, we are not afraid. Our stories have phrase, they are not perfect. We believe the truth of our mess makes us stronger. We hope that God uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in Him. Our theme verse is Colossians 1.17, which says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, even our afraid not. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. Welcome to episode number 124, where we are getting to have a conversation with Amber Sander, who is a wonderful wife and mom, who has a great story to share with us today. Amber's going to share today about her youngest daughter, who was actually born without her arms. And what that was like going through finding that out and when they actually had her, but what a blessing she's been, even though. And she says at one point in her story, she said, have you ever felt like I just don't know? In every way, everything you were trying to get to the bottom of, all you could come back to is I just don't know. Listeners, if you've ever felt like that, you are going to just resonate with how Amber and her husband, Joe, walked through this, and they're still walking through this, having faith in God as they make their way through raising their three precious kids. So we are so glad you are listening, and you're going to love this story. Please listen in. Hi, Amber. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for saying yes. I know it definitely is out of the normal for you to be sharing your story on a podcast. So you're brave and you're doing something that is really hopefully going to help listeners that maybe you've never even met that might hear your story and they might be encouraged to trust the Lord because of what you share. So we're really thankful for you and for your willingness to come today on Afraid Not. Would you tell our listeners a little bit about you and, you know, your family, hobbies, just a little snapshot of who are the Sander family? (laughs) Well, I am a stay-at-home parent right now, and I have three children, and I have been married to my husband, Joe, for 12 years. Um. Our oldest daughter is almost 11. We have a son who just turned nine, and our youngest will be turning five in November. Um, I like to play all sorts of games or do puzzles. I love racking my brain and challenging it. Um, I also like to read a good book, and I like to dive into the Bible. And my favorite thing is to sit in pure quiet while the kids are at school or sit outside and just listen to nature and be left alone. (laughs) It sounds so serene and wonderful. (laughs) And tell us, how did you meet Joe? So we met at a bonfire 
that I was invited to, and he um, was there with his friends. And I was not in the right place um, at the time to um, stay per dating him at the time because he did want to date me after that bonfire. And I was like, I'm not in the right place. I don't want to hurt you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it took a year for me to kind of um, figure things out. And I was, um, I think I was 20, 19 years old when we met. And it was a year later when I was about 20, almost 21. um, We had a mutual friend and he was like, hey, you know what? You need to you need to message Joe. And I was like, I will, but it's late. So let me do it in the morning. I know he's asleep. So, um, I started texting the next day and we met up that night to see each other face to face again. And we've not been apart since. Oh, we have a sweet. Yeah. We have a lot in common and, um, we're both two kids from Kansas that met in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we just really get along well. We Our fights don't last long. Somebody always gives in. We actually work, work better together. Um, that's kind of like our, our jam is get accomplishing things together than apart. <laughs> and... Um, we both love our kids deeply and he's just, he's my best friend. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad that I got to know you. It's been several years. I think we met in a Sunday school class at First Baptist Church of Wasso, probably eight years ago or seven years ago. I don't really know. Do you happen to remember? That's about right. Cause my son was somewhere around a year, almost two when we first Mm -hmm. started coming regularly to first baptist so and he's nine so about seven or eight years ago yes <laughs> and um i also before we get to your frayed knot that you are going to share with us also i'd love to just hear um how did you get to meet the lord because i know that's a different story for every person did you grow up in a christian home or did you meet god when you were pursuing him in college or did a friend invite you to church what was your story so my story um, does start in my childhood, and um, I honestly felt, feel, looking back, I feel like I was searching and reaching out for God my whole entire life, mo- the majority of my life. Um, I didn't know what my feelings really were or what they meant. And I prayed and I talked to God when I felt it was necessary, but I did not understand like anything. At least that's how I felt. I felt, I felt lost. Sometimes I felt stupid. (laughs) Um, I felt like a failure because I knew I was messing up and doing wrong. And I'm the type of person that aims to please. I'm a rule follower and I just having that feeling of, not succeeding in my faith um, and not knowing how to was really bothering me. Um, I needed that gratification of knowing I was on the right path, but I knew in my heart that I was not. And I went, 
I went to church when I was young. I memorized things that I, I can't recall now and just got enough to feed my knowledge of right and wrong. But I know I needed more. Throughout my teenage years, I actually begged my parents to take me take us to church as a family, begged my parents to teach me about the Bible and read it with me at home. If they didn't want to go to church, let's have church at home. And they turned me down. Um, they didn't feel like they were worthy of the challenge, and they did not feel confident to teach me, and they were just afraid that they were going to sway me in the wrong direction. Looking back, I had a lot of those aha moments, I guess you would call them, or okay, I get it now. There was times throughout my teenage years that I, I struggled with, people would ask me, um, are you a Christian? Do you go to church? Do you know God? And I would freeze because I wanted to say yes. That was like, yeah, yeah, yes. But my answer was always no, because I didn't want to be classified as a Christian if I wasn't really, truly living um, the Christian way. So I didn't feel good enough to call myself Christian. God has had a hand, uh, his hand in mine my whole life. Um, he guided me when I most needed it. Throughout middle school and high school, when kids are most influenced, I was befriended by a girl who strongly resonated in her faith with God. The fact that we had a lot in common helped us become best friends. And I'm happy to say today that we are actually still close friends. Wow. And having a best friend and others around you not judge or just, and they just love on you is like the best thing ever, especially when you're a kid in high school and you don't really know where you belong. So through um, my high school years, I got to hear some sermons and I prayed with others Um. I don't know if they still do it, but we always had morning at the flagpole mm -hmm. and we would go pray. Mm -hmm. yeah. do That's good. Cause yeah, I think it's called <laughs> at the pole. At the pole. Mm -hmm. That's right. <clears throat> but during all these motions um, that I was doing with my friends, I still felt ignorant to what the true meaning was behind everything. And as I was becoming a young adult and testing the waters of, waters of being in college locally, I got around different people and my life was changing at home. Um, my parents were losing their job and we had to move. I changed jobs as well. And of course, all my closest friends, my good friends, they went off to college and I was still at home. So I made different friends. There were things I was around and I accepted myself to be okay with doing that truly was not okay and looking back though I don't regret what happened because there were several times that I recall hearing God speak to me he led me out of certain situations that I got myself into and I'm so thankful that his voice was loud enough for me to listen but I'm still in disbelief that my Holy Spirit was still in tune even though I was doing so much wrong I, that I had no idea at the time. So, for example, I was in a situation and I needed to leave 
and I heard a voice tell me, Amber, get up and go home. Wow. And it was so strong and powerful that I immediately commanded that. And as I was leaving, I was just in all that. Why am I here in, in this? I don't need to be here. I don't belong here. So um, that's happened more than once in my life. And looking back, I, that was one of my ah moments. <laughs> you have no doubt. That was the voice of the Lord saying, Amber, get up. At the time, I thought it was like intuition by six seconds. But looking back, I was like, that was God. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Who else would it be? (laughs) So you've always kind of had just that tug at your heart. Yes. Yes. Even though I thought that I was not in the right. I, I had something watching over me. Fast forward to after being married to Joe, um, Joe's background was he had, his family was Catholic, um, but they stopped going to church by the time he was a teenager also. So he knew about as much as I did. (laughs) And we're just trying to live life together. Um, After we had my oldest, Evelyn, my mama heart started to wonder whether, um, I was doing the right things as a mom. Like what, what's her faith going to be look like if I don't have one. And I prayed a lot while pregnant with her and after, and then we had, um, Dal, my son, 22 months later. And I really started to feel a pull that I wanted to come to Jesus because now I have two kids and right. It's an evil world. (laughs) So um, I was still working at the time. And what did you do for your job? I worked in manufacturing and my hours were crazy. So um, there were times that I was uh, driving home at either nine o'clock at night or three o'clock in the morning or one o'clock in the morning. And a lot of those times driving home in the dark because it's scary and there's deer out, I would pray. I would just turn the radio down or off and I would pray all the way home or just have a conversation with God because I knew that's where I needed to start. And one of my prayers to God, um, on those drives home was telling him, I don't know what to say and I don't know what to do and I don't know where to go. And I just don't know. (laughs) And I want to know, and I want to do what I'm supposed to do as my children's mother, please help me. So, Shortly after those prayers, um, they slowly got answered. I had a cousin moving into um, Owasso. She was um, a stay-at-home mom, so she was able to go to like the library and the playground, you know, during the day. Stuff that I couldn't do either. I was watching my kids or I was sleeping <laughs> um, because I worked weird hours. And she got invited to come to First Baptist to a ladies' Bible study. 
And she did. And when I would come visit her, she would share how open her eyes were becoming and how moved she was to um, the love God has for her and for everybody. Mm -hmm. So I was intrigued because I was like, I want to learn too. That's, that's what I've been wanting. So she invited me to to Bible study, but my hours didn't work and I didn't want to go in the, or however that worked out, um, at the time, but I was able to finally come to a Sunday service that she invited me to. And I went with her. And when I first came into the building, I didn't, like I have at other churches, I didn't have that nervous feeling in my stomach. Um, and during service, um, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed worship. I enjoyed the service. I understood what was being said. Mm-hmm. And that was like the first time ever in my life that it just, I don't know, I just understood it and I enjoyed it. And I was like, Wow. Okay, <laughs> so um, I got Joe to start coming with me and the kids, and he enjoyed it also, and that's why I was like, well, this is it. This is where we can say this is my church. Yeah. So we started coming, and then again, another like, ah, moment um, my hours changed at work and I was able to come to morning sessions of ladies Bible study. And I really got fed his word through ladies Bible study. And it changed me in so many ways. I finally knew what my purpose was, what choices I needed to make, how I needed to be an example of faith to my children and husband. And it dawned on me, of all the times God had been with me throughout my life. And that weighed so heavy on my heart. I took for granted for all those times that he spoke to me, protected me and led me as my own intuition. So I took credit for what he was doing. (laughs) Uh, Not knowing um, that I was doing that. Selfish me. Um, But I did not need to look very far, even though I felt like I was very far away from him. He was never that far away from me. And now I know I had the wrong understanding in my mind, which just all it did was blind me. And I just needed to lift the blinds, basically. A short time later, after um, joining a couple of the ladies' uh, Bible studies, I decided it was time that I was ready to come to Jesus and stay. And I took that leap um, of faith to um, become saved. So one Sunday service, I walked up and told Pastor Chris I was ready to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. And shortly after I was Um, chose to be baptized and prayed over by the church. But little did I know at the time that I was being saved and baptized, I was actually pregnant with Sylvia. Oh my goodness. I don't think I've ever heard this part of the story. I did not know that. 
Yes, his timing. So you were born spiritually as Sylvia was being knit together. Wow. That is so sick. Sylvia is going to be a big part of the story. So Are that's you? pretty impressive. Yeah. Yes. So that was my other aha moment. <laughs> because um, being pregnant with Sylvia, my youngest, who is turning five in November, um, was a big deal at at first, I, I didn't find out I was officially pregnant till I was eight weeks along, which was the longest I've gone. Um, I knew right away with my other two children. So were you and Joe surprised to find out you were expecting or were you hoping to get pregnant? We were not trying. Okay, so this <laughs> we was were a surprise. surprise. <laughs> she was definitely a surprise. Okay, so since Sylvia is going to be kind of a big part of your story, why don't you tell us a little bit about how that all came about when you found out you were pregnant and, and what was going on then? I found out I was pregnant and I was nervous, honestly, because where I was working at my job, I was exposed to things I was breathing in that I was not totally comfortable with. Um, if I was ever to get pregnant so the fact that I was already eight weeks along and didn't know, I I was nervous because I immediately felt that mom tug of, I need to protect my baby. Yes. And I have already been this long pregnant and didn't know and didn't, what what did I expose her to already? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is in the manufacturing company that you were working with? Yes. Um, I was putting parts together and my main concern was I was washing parts and that requires a chemical and then a, a mist when you open the door mm-hmm. and uh, heating parts up in an oven, which everybody knows is another chemical reaction can happen with whatever oil is on the parts. You, you just don't know. And you don't want to be pregnant while those chemicals are in the air. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, you don't want to have the exposure to it. Yeah. Yes. And according to, they are safety driven, but according to them, there was nothing um, harmful that they know of. We go over, they go over stuff very thoroughly there and digest everything. Um, And even after the fact, um, I had discussed it with them and they're like, there was nothing in your area that could cause an issue, but honestly, you don't know, (laughs) you know, you really don't, you can read the label and it says this, but what if it reacted to me wrongly? I, we don't know. So, um, Joe's a machinist. He uh, comes in contact with, uh, chemicals all the time because of that also. Um, so we just don't know, but I was very nervous and upset. I was wanting my son as all boys are very demanding and need a lot of attention. So, um, I wanted one more year of as much one-on-one with him before he started kindergarten, before I got pregnant. Was he around three or four years old at the time you got pregnant? 
three. He was three. Okay. Yeah. So I was pregnant and here we are. It's like, what do you do now? Um, before I got pregnant, I just knew in my heart though, that I was, I was going to have another kid at some point. It was going to be a girl. I don't know why. <laughs> I just knew. You just knew. <laughs> and one of those times driving home late at night, I was listening to the radio and they had somebody call in and her name, this lady's name was Sylvia. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know why, but I really like that name and you don't hear it very often. I was yeah. like, I'm going to keep that in my memory. It is a beautiful name. Thank you. <laughs> to tell you a little about Sylvia, because our listeners can't see her or see a picture. Um, Sylvia was born without arms. And she also has deformed hips and her femurs are abnormally short. Um, we've, we had a normal pregnancy and we were really excited about having another kid and we didn't care if it was boy or girl. Went in for the um, five-month checkup and they do the anatomy scan at that time. And... They always start out with, do you want to know what the sex of the baby is? And I'm always, yes. <laughs> I <laughs> love to plan, and I want to know if we're doing pink or blue. <laughs> and we found out that it was a girl, and I was so excited. And then they made it up to, in the ultrasound, they made it up to her profile shot. And I go, <gasps> and the ultrasound nurse was like, are you okay? And I was like, yes, she looks just like our other daughter, Evelyn, and her same profile shot and everything. Um, you could probably put their ultrasounds side by side and be like the same kiddo. And still today, they look a lot alike. <laughs> so she's doing the ultrasound, going through everything. And she doesn't mention, she says, I'm having a hard time finding her hands. But let's move on to this. And she's, you know, doing all the measurements, checking the heart. And you weren't worried at this time at all? No. 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 And it didn't dawn on me till when she was like, okay, we're done. You're going to go see the doctor. And she left the room. And I thought for a minute, well, we saw feet, but we didn't see the hands. And I'm like, oh, well, we'll see it next time. <laughs> we go in to um, see the doctor. And my doctor is very straightforward. She doesn't sugarcoat nothing, which <laughs> I do like. Um, but she's, you know, a little cordial about it. And she just said, we can't find baby's hands. Um, how do you take that? Because when you go I mean, in. What do you even say? Yeah. yeah. When you go in, you think, I'm going to count all 10 fingers and toes. Yeah. And, you know, um, we couldn't. She, um, I kind of blanked out that whole memory a little bit. <laughs> Were you there alone or was Joe able to be there with Joe you? Joe was with me. I'm glad he was there beside you. Yes. Because that day is a, a pretty big blow. To figure out how do we even walk through this? Well, I, in my son's anatomy scan, I actually had 
grandparents in the room with me um, at that time. But with Sylvia, it was just me and Joe. And I'm so thankful because I don't know how that would have went with other people in the room. (laughs) People panicking or, yeah. Yes. So it was a lot to take in. Yeah. And I left in shock and disbelief and was like, well, that ultrasound tech don't know what she's doing. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so later my doctor sent us to the high risk doctor, um, and they did an ultrasound on Sylvia and two techs came in and was just pushing on my belly, trying to like, okay, well, we see this, we see that all the same things. They couldn't find her arms or hands either. And so then the actual doctor came in and he was really pushing (laughs) to get her to move at just the right angle where we could see something. And so I'm like all in discomfort, needed to go pee like 5 million times while I'm laying (laughs) on the table. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Making the baby move and everything else. And uh, he finally got a view that was big enough on the screen of her clavicle bone, which is your collarbone. And then there was just nothing. Mm. Not, there was no bone. Mm-hmm. Can, there was no, I don't even remember seeing a shoulder blade. Like I just saw clavicle bone and he just held it in that position and like time froze. And then it, it hit me. Mm-hmm. And I started sobbing and he like took his tech and got out of that room as fast as he could because I was crying so hard because it finally hit me because I was in disbelief for about a month before that happened. Um, later, um, they, they also had concerns of her right foot. Her right foot was like smashed up against her leg. So they're like, there's possibility that her right foot is a clubbed foot. They're like, it's okay. Therapy will help fix that and everything. So we went and seen all the people at the hospital that we may need to see the NICU. They offered us a room in the NICU in case we wanted more privacy and not have her in the regular nursery. And I was like, I don't mind. I mean, but my kid's going to be in the room with me. So why do we need this? (laughs) So I think one thing that I wonder if all of these listeners today are hearing your story and just being so moved with empathy and compassion about how a mom and a dad may feel when they're learning that their child's going to have some really, really hard things. What were some of the questions and thoughts that you and Joe were saying to each other? Were you kind of in conversations like, how are we going to help her do this? And how are we going to handle that? Or were you just not even talking about all those things yet? Joe is a quiet person, as most people know when they meet him. (laughs) And he's even... Um, nervous about expressing his feelings with me. He wants to know what I'm thinking first. So I kind of always lead our conversations and he usually agrees with me, which is nice. But um, 
I went back into the doctor after the first ultrasound with basically a book of questions. Mm -hmm. Sure. And she couldn't answer one of them. What? She said, we won't know till the baby comes out Uh, to every question. And I was like, (sighs) and oh wait, how far? So you're like five months or so at this point. Yeah, I mean, all this happened between the five, started with the five months into the seven months mm-hmm. period. you still got a ways to go with all these questions and two kids that you're trying to take care of at the same time. Lots of weeks of still going through the pregnancy. Yeah, so although all of this hit me and Joe like a ton of bricks, I was still in disbelief, and but... um. I knew for both Sylvia and my sake that I needed to be calm and mm-hmm. I needed to be positive because I still needed to do the things that I need to do to carry this baby to give her life. I'm so glad that you had that calm. That's really good. <laughs> well, I had a little practice because when I was really weird, when I was pregnant with Evelyn, I lost my grandmother that mm-hmm. I was close to. And when I was pregnant with Dal, the week he was born, my aunt passed away of cancer. Two days later, my other grandma was hit by a semi and killed on impact. Two days after that, I had Dal. (laughs) So I've been through a lot in my last two pregnancies emotionally. And if you want to say, God put me in that situation to prepare me for Sylvia. I mean, how else could you look at it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just thinking. We don't know why. Yeah. We, why things happen. But we know that our Heavenly Father still loves us. He He has more love for us than we can ever recognize or even understand. Yes. And I'm not a selfish person. So knowing that I was growing a human being, I focused my energy on that. I tried to stay calm and positive throughout my pregnancy, but I I did pray to God as as much as I could because every time you think about it, I just I just sob. Especially sure. being hormonal and carrying a girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I would pray to him, let the doctors be wrong. Yeah, I was like, you can make miracles happen. Let Sylvia have all that she needs to be like you in your image. We are all made in your image. Please let her have arms and hands and fingers and be able to function in this world. And I would I would cry praying that and I prayed it more than once. And I was like, I'm putting my faith in you and I'm going to hope for the best. And wait till she comes out to see what she looks like. Mm-hmm. So, and I, re- I remember, I don't know if it was during my pregnancy or after my pregnancy, but my kids would tell my mom that I was always crying. Oh, <laughs> and I tried not to cry in front of them, but it's just one of those things. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So, knowing I had two other kids to take care of. Dal was still in preschool, very young age. So that just helped me redirect my focus and try to 
stay on track with others. Um, I also did have to face reality and look at life, um, what what it's going to be like. Be ready for when that next step comes of what do we need to do? This is what we're going to do. I knew that I definitely didn't want to go back to work. <laughs> and so Joe and I had that discussion and I was able to go to my bosses and tell them, I was like, my baby's not going to come out normal. And this is what we know. I do know that I'm, when I leave, I'm go on maternity leave, I'm not coming back because I'm going to be home to figure life out. Um, mm -hmm. And I was like, but my husband needs a better paying job. And if you would take him in as kind of like a swap <laughs> and they're like, okay, what does he do? And I was like, he's a machinist and I know you guys need machinists. And he has such great knowledge and been doing it for 15 plus years. They were impressed by just what I told them about him that they were like, uh, yes, we'll swap you guys out for sure. Oh, wow. That's amazing. He pretty much started on the same time that I went on maternity leave. So that was God's providing for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He opens doors and shuts doors when that needs to happen. So, mm -hmm. so let's talk about what happened when she finally came. Okay. Just before Sylvia was to arrive, I was preparing myself mentally and there were some struggles and opinions voiced that I wish were not voiced. In my mind, as a mother, our job as parents is to nurture the mind, the heart, and the soul of our kids. Mm. And our main goal is to teach them of heaven and to keep them on that path. And our bodies are just a vessel or a tool for us to use here on earth. So knowing that she was going to come and I needed to be prepared, you know, for what people would say in public when I take her out in public, this was my preparation that it doesn't matter what she does not have because her mind, heart, and soul is the main thing that I need to take care of. That's right. That's what I would tell people. I just focused on how healthy she was. Her heart was great. Her spine was great. Her organs working. Her lungs were perfect. <clears throat> and I couldn't wait to meet her because she, I knew she already looked a lot like Evelyn. <laughs> and she was going to be beautiful. Um, before we knew it, November 1st came around. It was my 37-week checkup. I went in for the ultrasound because they were trying to keep tabs and making sure there wasn't any other issues with her as she was growing. And after the ultrasound, I went and saw my doctor immediately after, and she came straight in the door, didn't even say hi, and said, there's not enough amniotic fluid in the sack for baby to be safe. We need to take you to emergency C-section right away. Oh my goodness, right then. Oh, she did not even say hi to me. She <laughs> just said, we got to go get baby out of you now. <laughs> and I froze. 
And I probably turned white because, and my eyes were big. And she goes, are you going to be sick? Do you need paper bag? And I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> so I was in shock. I was there alone. I had just taken all the kids to school. My husband was at work. And I was like, I got to make phone calls. <laughs> Are you sure you need to go dissect me this soon? <laughs> so um, made phone calls and Joe was a nervous wreck. I heard that I called my mom to go get my kids from their school. And he had to meet her to get for her to have car seats. <laughs> And somehow they forgot a car seat or something. So he had to turn around and go back and meet her again because he was so frazzled. <laughs> but um, first person to arrive at the hospital was my sister-in-law. And that was nice. And my dad actually came, which was a big deal because, well, my dad's another story, but it was a big deal. Even though I was nervous and I was excited and all the emotions were flowing, um, I still at this point was hopeful that God was going to perform a miracle and that everything was going to come out normal. I was just in this, in my own little world. I was like, okay, I gotta wait. I'm going to see her. So this is it. And Sylvia came out. She was screaming her head off, which <laughs> is always a, a mama's, you know, moment. It's like, yes, they're screaming. <laughs> That's what we need to hear. But because she was so upset, um, her oxygen levels were off. So they did what they needed to do and they wrapped her up. So I didn't get to see her unwrapped and they put her near me, but I was being sewed up. So I, I couldn't even move my arms. I had my arms down. And this was <laughs> an emergency C-section, correct? Yes. So you're just in this complete um, you know, on this stretcher, <laughs> like moment, you know, up and around. <laughs> I don't know why people that vote for C-sections over natural. My first two were natural. This was my first. We knew that Sylvia was breech. And then what they call no amniotic fluid is oligo. Um, so this was my first big operation and it was scary. Yeah. <laughs> And but it worked. She was alive. She was born. Yes. So, okay. So then what? So they wrapped her up and I got to see her face, but they sent her off to NICU and Joe was torn because he wanted to stay with me, but he knew he had to go with baby. Sure. And he just had tears rolling down his face and him crying made me cry. It's after that, it took a whole hour for them to finish me up, take get me to my room, get her settled and calm. And then she finally came in the room. And after everybody left, you know, first thing you want to do is feed, try and feed. So I did go ahead and try and feed her. But as soon as she seemed satisfied, I carefully unwrapped her to see what she looked like. And after I unwrapped her, I was in such amazement of how beautiful she was. Mm -hmm. And I just knew in that moment that I loved her so much 
And I knew right then that God gave me her for a reason. And I could not be mad at him for not giving me what I prayed for. There are worse things that could have happened. Joe and I have never asked why she is the way she is. We honestly don't care to know why. And we are just so thrilled to have the honor of being Sylvia's parents. So you didn't even necessarily really notice first thing about the arms. It was just the, how beautiful she was. Yes. And and she is. She is so beautiful. Yes, she is. Her precious bright blue eyes, which look like mom and dad to me. Uh, her sweet expression. She is so unique and precious. And tell us about how the walking through life and the the hardships and joys, like what's it like being the parent trying to help her navigate this world? It's scary. <laughs> and it's tough. And at first, um, they tell you, go see this doctor, go see this person, go get a genealogy test and you you do what you can to do what you think is right and go see the the doctor that you think is the right doctor at first I was kind of aggravated because I really felt like um doctors looked at her like a science experiment and was like let's let's find out why and what does she have and what else is wrong with her and I'm just like whoa this Mm. is my kid here y'all need to pump the brakes (laughs) yeah so um it's it's different but it's not different um Sylvia is very smart um she is cognitively advanced for her age she's almost five and people she talked so well um they thought she was six (laughs) and that does make it a little difficult um I never treated her different um as I brought her home you have those toys that go in an arch um for them to start their motor skills with I just moved her up Mm -hmm. and I lifted her at her hips for her legs and her feet and her toes to do what hands do. Mm -hmm. And nobody told me to do that. I just wanted to treat her as normal as possible. Mm -hmm. And whatever, I I always have a creative mind and thankfully, so whatever I knew the next steps that she needed to learn, we figured it out. We did have in-home therapy, which I am still to this day shocked at what therapists can come up with because Sylvia would knock out challenges right and left. Wow. And I was like, what you going to come up with next? Because we, you know, accomplished that goal and there would be something else that they would come up with. And did Sylvia learn to use her feet to be hands like would she be able to pick things up and move things and use her feet to do things that she needed to do yes she um would play with blocks just like a normal kid and she would push buttons just like a normal kid 
Wow. There for a while, she would call her feet, hands, and her toes, fingers. And I find that fascinating how her brain was um, growing to adapt in this way. And if I called my hand a foot or toes or my foot a hand, she would correct you. No, that's your hand and your fingers. You use that, not your feet. So she wouldn't let us use our feet like she does. She wanted us to use our hands. But she knew that her feet were her hands and she was going to use those. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I just find that fascinating how the brain adapts in that way. Yeah. How's it been with her and her siblings? Very easy. I mean, they treat her like a normal sibling. Well, they love her to pieces, of course. Yes. Um, Dal is most proud to be a big brother. He loves helping. Evelyn is a lot like Joe, where she's more quiet and reserved, but she steps in and helps um, in her own timing. So it's really nice that the kids do help but they still fight just like normal siblings too of course i'm sure they're not all perfect angels because no one's perfect that's right (laughs) that's right so how has it been for sylvia going to pre-k and kindergarten how's it going for her it's going well she actually goes to little lighthouse wonderful yeah do you recommend little is it a great place? Absolutely. Um, recently, I got to share Sylvia's story at a community luncheon. This luncheon was held at her, um, we call it school, but they're, they're not, um, they're actually a nonprofit organization, right. not right. classified as a school. So, But it serves as a school for it Sylvia. It serves as Absolutely. a school for special needs kids. At the luncheon, I got to not only share how wonderful God has been for us and Sylvia, but how wonderful he has resonated in that building and organization. Mm. Um, Their mission statement, and they have it plastered on their wall inside, starts with to glorify God. We you know, do these things for the community and the family and the kids and the staff and volunteers all pray over every decision and circumstance and the things that they offer families and their special needs children is just outstanding. I mean, God truly shines in that organization where when you walk in and you meet the people there, you feel his presence. Mm -hmm. So going there and seeing what they offer and knowing that your child has a place here, mm-hmm. tuition free, I might add, because wow. they get enough sponsors throughout the year to make that happen um, so that they can offer an, any type of income family to come and I love have that. there. I love that. So how's it been for Sylvia? What does she say? You're like, mommy, I like this about my school or or this about Sunday school or this about the people. Like, what is Sylvia's worldview right now? How does she see the world and the Lord? What's going on in her little mind? 
That's tough because she's four. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you never know what she's going to (laughs) say. But I see this year being our second year there, she has now blossomed to where she's actually walking into the classroom without me carrying her. Because there for a while, she was so shy and nervous about some of the other kids that their um, disability um, affects everybody at the moment. And we can't help that. And they get that under control. But some mornings at drop off, just like any other normal kid, is not always the best. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's early and they don't want mom to go and stuff like that. Right. So Sylvia would have me carry her in the classroom, set her in her chair, and she would just sit there until circle time started. But this year, she's been walking in, helping me put her lunch away, and going over to her friends and starting to play before circle time. And she tells me that gym is her favorite time because they have a a gym, and it's full of great um, things in there for the kids of all disabilities. Sure. She's even able to access what they have to offer. I love that. So differently abled is still able and she's doing things and she's having fun Mm -hmm. and she is moving. I love that. I mean, she's an overcomer. I wonder if some doctors ever thought she could walk and here she is going and playing and she loves to go to gym. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I, I don't want to get started about doctors. We had, we had one tell us that, they would take her shortest leg off and put a prosthetic on. And that was just like, why would you take something that's not necessarily broken and replace it with a prosthetic? So I really hard time going to doctor visits with some of the things that they have to say. Um, but I do believe that's more surgeons than doctors, too. Surgeons kind of look at people as like they're working on a car. <laughs> and you get that. So you have to go in remembering that when you're talking to a surgeon. Like they're trying to fix things. And it's not always the best decision. So, yeah, she loves it there. And they do praise and worship there. Mm-hmm. And they... I love how they have different, in her classroom, they have different fruits up on the um, cabinets, and they're actually the different, they also have the fruits of labor at the bottom, patience and love. Oh, like the fruits of the spirit. Yeah, fruits of the spirit. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, she's getting what she needs, and I'm so happy because, um, uh, my other two kids got to experience that too. So she's getting the same. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story about Sylvia. You're welcome. This is really a beautiful story. I think that you and Joe are just a great example of loving parents, loving your kids, wanting to show them God's love and seeing that God has given you the gifts of your children and they are truly gifts. Sylvia is such a gift. 
She is such a gift. And of course, Evelyn and Dahl as well. So this story just reminds us every day is a gift. The things that we have in our, um, the hours that we're given to just like Sylvia, just jump in and joy and, and go. <laughs> and don't worry about what isn't there, but just go with where we are. So thank you so much, Amber. You're welcome. Thanks for listening, everyone. We are so grateful that you have listened to this episode of Afraid Not. We're so thankful to Amber Sander for her bravery in sharing a story that is so tender. And she's really, uh, this is a new thing for her to step out and share about this journey. It's been a really uh, meaningful story for me today, thinking especially about how Amber's view of her precious daughter was, she is so beautiful. I think it's so important for all of us to think today, the gifts of relationships that God has given us in our lives, to recognize the beauty, to have a grateful heart for those those gifts, what gifts God has given us. Just like Amber's statement, oh, Sylvia is so beautiful. And she is, she is so beautiful. And it's important to remember that we all have a purpose and God has a plan for all of us. Thanks so much for listening today. If you love what you're hearing, please give us a five-star rating and a review. And we will see you back again in two weeks. Bye, everybody. Have a great fall.